visual arts podcast since 2017 guess what guys we're still two number weeks one. in a row two weeks in a row number one visual arts podcast did you look up right. the other top ones yet the other top visual arts no i'm not going to give them a shout out it's going to make them eclipse us i'm so I can't curious go shouting out our competition oh boy you know what so if you're... there's no competition as far as i'm concerned in visual arts category we're that's right one. there's nothing better than being completely miscategorized i love it yep well since Mike had to uh, steal my thunder and I didn't get to do my day of the week, I'm going to take the power back and say it right now. It is Thursday, May 23rd, otherwise known as Lucky Penny Day. There we go. Is it lucky if it's heads up or heads down? Doesn't say here, but I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of... Ch- like, pennies might as well be garbage as far as I'm concerned. Have you ever seen when somebody makes a floor out of pennies and then they coat it with epoxies? I saw a ceiling oh, yeah. of pennies one time, I think, so on... Yeah, on California's gold, Huel Hauser, baby. PBS. Huel Hauser, yes. Yep. Pennies are kind of remarkable. I think they're mostly zinc with a thin copper coating. Mm-hmm. I believe I it. I mean, it's a, it's illegal to deface currency, but from just a material standpoint, they're probably a pretty good material source for the cost. Oh, yeah. And the old school pennies are solid copper. I think it's somewhere in the 80s that they switched up. But even still, the value of the metal in a penny is actually greater than one cent. I think there's a few political candidates that I've seen pop up, especially on the on the Democrat side, that are proposing to get rid of the penny. Just saying, like, it's useless. Nobody's nobody's spending pennies anyways. Let's just cut it off at the yeah. nickel. You know, I don't know how big a penny is, but let's just pretend that they're one inch. That'd mean it's a dollar forty four per square foot. But I think they're smaller than that. So it's probably a little <laughs> yeah, bit more. They're smaller. Than, yeah. The price per coin foot. Yeah. That's how much it costs to cover your floor and... Pe- oh, then you got to factor in the epoxy and... Yeah, the epoxy is definitely the expensive that's gonna, part. It's going to be more than pennies, put it that way. All right, so what are, you, totally. what are you guys working on? Well, I'll go first, and I've been traveling. I just got back from Maker Fair. Oh, yeah. You how all was that? Were, were missed. Now, this was Bay Area, right, in San Francisco? Right. This is the big one that's a... It's a dash of WorkbenchCon, a lot of Comic-Con with another dash of Burning Man, and then 3D printers everywhere. <laughs> Just a sprinkle of 3D printing. Yes. It's okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. The people were amazing. It's run by Make Magazine. The people that work for Make are amazing, but they could use some something about it seems like they've been living off the past and living off the energy of the community rather than the... Mm-hmm than as an organization figuring out how to reinvest and re-strengthen that. So when I talk to a lot of people that have been involved for a few years, there's sort of a worry that this might be the last one. And no. Wow. No, it's still really well attended though, right? Yes, but that's not the same as it being well managed as a business standpoint. Gotcha. And I know media publications in general, particularly ones that have a basis in print, are not always doing that great. So... I don't think it's run, I think the events are one of their big things, but I don't think they're really an event business and it's hard to make money at something and do it really well when it's your side thing that you do, not the main thing that you do. Right. I mean, well, Well, that seems kind of scary because for me, I really became aware of Make Magazine through their events. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of hard because that's how people are getting into the door. 
Yeah, I mean, so, I guess the good news would be that it would seem then that they're one higher away from getting things in order. Well, my perspective is this, is that it's hard to kill a community because if there's interest and people are connected online, right. and sometimes the flag bearer that is the current infrastructure to it, sometimes if that goes away, that's not always a horrible tragedy. Sometimes that's a new opportunity for something that's built more out of the community and the community just has to step up and figure out how to reconnect. Now, obviously this is all conjecture. Nobody freak out. This was just my general impression, but it was a fantastic experience. I'm really glad I went. I got to see a lot of our friends. The guys from the making it podcast were all there. They gave a great presentation. So obviously anytime you get to see all those people is fun. I saw a lot of the exhibits and It's interesting because, I mean, the term maker is so broad, but there it very specifically refers to a lot of digital fabrication and a lot of kind of circuitry and STEM related stuff. The thing that I think is the single greatest part of it is the involvement with kids. There are a ton of children there and it sort of has this STEM kind of science educational feel to the whole thing, which makes it very family friendly. And seeing kids getting involved with coding, robots, 3D printing, and all these things is just fantastic. But I wish they could add in a little bit more of the woodworking, metalworking, and conventional things in addition to these others. The other thing... Yeah, it seems very tech-focused. Tech-focused, right? And a very specific type of tech, right? Like, There's a lot of robots there that are novelty robots, but not, you know, I don't think like Boston Dynamics had uh, a booth there. I think it would be awesome to see some of those robots that they're bringing in like burger flipping robots or sandwich making like robots, things like that, right? Right. And so, for example, people are very fascinated with these kind of like Burning Man style robotic things. And they're homemade. So obviously they're not competitive with a, you know, a vehicle with wheels so it's almost like they're it makes that's what makes it like the very comic-con type or have the comic-con type feel where they're aestheticizing which i'm a fan of a specific type of mechanical movement to bring novelty to a vehicle that from a performance standard is substandard so to me that was what's sort of missing then is i would love to see just you know having just driven excavators and things like that, which are not robots because they're not autonomous and, 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 and moving in repeated tasks unmanned, but are actually probably like mechanically like way more sophisticated. And that's why I would like to see more from the manufacturing robotic side, have it be more of like an industry show. But I can't remember the name of the show that, that Jimmy was talking about. I think it was like some sort of Digifab con or something like that, that there might be someone else or some other event that's, that's already doing that. So this isn't me throwing shade at it. It's an amazing event if there are more of them and nothing's official yet, but uh, you should definitely try to go out there and, and see one if you get the chance. It's a visual spectacular thing with tons of people. But for, for me, I sort of was like walking around. I, I saw, I didn't really see too much new. I saw a lot of different 3D printers and talked to some people about carbon fiber Talked a little bit people about sort of Arduino and Raspberry Pi kind of stuff to because I'm I'm looking at eventually moving into some of those types of components. And uh, other than that, I bought a nibbler. Mm, you're gonna have to fill us in on that one. No, no, right? <laughs> it's a funny term for a tool. It's actually yeah. a brand called the very clever name. Chris is gonna like this one. Kimmy Nibbler. <laughs> Can Nibbler. 
Ah, cannibal. As in, it can nibble and also cannibal. They thought they were so clever with that name. It's this very nice Australian uh, family started the business. A nibbler is a device that can be attached to a drill or it can be a freestanding uh, handheld machine mm-hmm. that nibbles its way through sheet metal. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. So it's sort of like a jigsaw or a scroll saw for cutting sheet metal, like anything less than about a eighth of an inch. So sort of 16th or so and then down. And it cuts really cleanly and you can do, you know, very scroll saw like turns. Hmm. Well, I still say they should have gone with Kimmy Nibbler for all the uh, Full House fans. Missed opportunity. Nibbler. I don't know. I, th- I, I, I think cannibalism, cannibalism and a can-do ad- attitude combined is pretty good. That's true. There's nothing I like more than a go get em cannibal. <laughs> well, since we're talking about events in the maker community, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the event that I traveled to this weekend. I went to Des Moines, Iowa, of all places, for Weekend with Wood, which is the conference that Wood Magazine puts on every year. Another print publication turned event coordinator. Mm. And I've got to say, I was really, really impressed. It's a lot different than any of the other sort of events that I've gone to in that it's incredibly education-centric. That's really what they're focusing on is providing really good classes about the things that people are potentially interested in. So whether that's more fine woodworking things about dovetails and different finger joint and and joinery jigs like painter routers and things like that. There's a lot of classes around it, as well as things like uh, the class that Matt Cremona did about working with live edge slabs and dealing with defects in that. So it is definitely geared towards people that are wanting to kind of up their skill or maybe break down some of those barriers that are that keep people from trying new things. But they are not struggling when it comes to attendance. In fact, it sold out about a month or two before the event. They were working in their office space to put this whole event on. So they've got a limited amount of space. I think there's around 250 people that can come each year. Mm -hmm. And they have about six classrooms with different classes going on at any time. But with that in mind, they're really marketing that towards their print subscriber base. So I have to guess the average age of the attendee is probably about 60, 65. Oh, wow. Uh, Myself, along with some of the other kind of maker influencers, whatever you want to call them, uh, the group that they brought along, we were definitely, you know, the younger of the crowd. But it was cool because anywhere that you are the exception, uh, there's always a bunch of people that are interested in what you do and wanting to ask questions. So whereas typically when we're doing events like WorkbenchCon or I imagine Ben, you at Maker Fair, where a lot of people are familiar with what you're doing and interested in you know connecting with you and chatting with you about what you're doing, it was really a bunch of people that were completely, I guess, unaware or ignorant of this whole online community that we've built. It's a bunch of people that are still waiting for that wood magazine catalog to come in so that they can find their plans and go build, you know, whatever they're going to build that week. Yeah. And so, so are you saying everyone it was, was really old? Dude, everyone was <laughs> definitely, definitely uh, a senior, <laughs> but it was still a really great group. It was awesome. The fact that, you know, they are seniors and everyone's got their hearing aids in, but they're all coming to take classes to learn more and get better. Like it's still, it's still encouraging to see that, but yeah, the event was sold out. The classes were great. And while I was there, I actually got the opportunity to take a tour of Craig Jig's facility. They're also based uh, right outside of Des Moines, Iowa, uh, ironically enough. So we got to go into their factory where they make all of their plastic components as well as a lot of their milled aluminum pieces. And man, those machines were so cool to see. First off, I had no idea 
how much they are manufacturing in the U.S. of all of their components and pieces, about 75% of their products are made in-house in their factory in right outside of Des Moines. So shout out to them for that. That's awesome. And it was great seeing all those machines. They're injection molding plastic giant machines. I don't know what you call them. Sounds about right. Uh, it was awesome seeing them, you know, fill that mold and then these robot arms coming, picking them up, lifting them onto an assembly line where then, you know, a human with dexterity is able to take off all the tabs, move it onto the next part of the process and, and set all of the dies and all of the, all of the things that the drill bit kind of rides on in the jig, all the metal pieces. So thank you to Craig for that. It was awesome to see that and then meet, you know, the CEO and a lot of the product designers around the tools that I'm using from a brand that sponsors me. So that was, that was great. Was the CEO's um, name Craig? You know, no, but his Darn. grandfather was named Craig. Craig Craig? But it wasn't was spelt like Craig. It was C-R-A-I-G, not K-R-E-G. The normal way. Yeah, it's funny. We kind of got a little bit of the, the birth story. And apparently the person that invented the Craig jig was sort of just, you know, a weekend hobby builder, but more so just an inventor of sorts mm -hmm. and always coming up with, you know, this product or this idea. And it was whenever he met someone working at a cabinet shop and they were talking about the fact that it takes a long time to build a face frame where he had that idea. And he actually built it for, I think, his uncle that worked or I'm sorry, his brother that worked in a cabinet shop. It was the guy I spoke to his uncle. Mm. And it was a really rudimentary piece of milled aluminum and it had space to drill one pocket hole. So you would drill one, then move your piece of wood and drill the second one. Yeah. But they called it Craig's jig because mm. the guy just called it that, you know, he was like, it was the jig that Craig built for me. So he right. called it Craig's jig. Like a mic. Coin. And then eventually, exactly. And so then whenever it came down to actually building that into a business, for some reason, he didn't want to name it Craig the way he spelt it. He wanted to differentiate it some way and called it the K-R-E-G jig like, which i guess is good for, with his list exactly which yeah. <laughs> which has to be good in hindsight for google right because no one actually has a name spelt that way so it can't get confused with any potential celebrities good call mike i want you to look at your analytics in like a week from now and see if you notice an uptick in that demographic range from like 65 to older i hope so because right now it's a percentage of 1%. Yeah, see if we can get it up so, to 1%. I was about to say, because any any improvement is going to be really noticeable because yeah. right now it is really, really small. It's going to be orders of magnitude higher. All right. Yeah, but aside from that, while we were in town, we got to tour one of the larger corporations in the Des Moines area, which is called the Meredith Corporation. They are the, I don't know, conglomerate that owns Wood Magazine along with Do It Yourself Magazine many more in the kind of DIY space, like a magazine called Before and After, which is actually really neat. I had not heard of prior. It's what you would imagine, a magazine about spaces before and after a transformation. And they take the time to kind of talk about why they did what they did with the people that did it. But we got a tour of their entire facility. I'm talking this company, Meredith, they just incorporated Time Inc. So that's Time Magazine, that's Sports Illustrated, that's People Magazine. All of these print outlets that no longer have the capital to support a New York City office space, mm -hmm. this corporation is just scooping them up and incorporating them into, into the sort of facility that they already have because they're working in thousands, hundreds of thousands of square feet. It was really, really impressive to see. 
their their whole photo studio spaces. It was actually, you know what? For us, it was encouraging because they've got all these test kitchens for, you know, like uh, Better Home and Garden magazine and different culinary magazines where they've got this test kitchen where the sink doesn't work mm-hmm. and there's lights and things just everywhere. But whenever you look at the monitor and see what they have the camera pointed at, it looks beautiful. Yeah. But if you were to pan like two feet to the left, it's like a mess that way. And if you pan to the right, it's a mess that way as well. So for me, at least, who usually has a huge mess in the shop, except for what the p- camera is pointing exactly at, it was just cool to see that that's what the pros are doing as well. And they've got different photo sets built up all over the place for living rooms, kitchens, bedrooms, where it's just, you know, three walls and an open face for cameras to roll and dollies to be able to move around. So it was awesome. It was it was great being able to take that tour. And it was really cool seeing the fact that there's a conference that's able to support itself and the attendees are not on the internet. So that really makes me curious about that corporation that has all of these other magazines like do-it-yourself magazine and things like that. It makes me think like, hey, you guys need to be putting on a conference for the people that are interested in what's happening online. So hopefully that's something that could happen as well. But it was a great time. Des Moines was really cool, a lot better than I expected. So a lot of fun. What did you get down? Or what did you get down to? What were you Ooh. up to, Chris, yeah, while me, while we were out doing that? Got down and up to, let's see. Okay, so last week, as you'll recall, we were talking about what I should do for my next project. And I was talking about right. how, you know, I was kind of burnt out on plywood. I've been doing a lot of plywood projects. So I wanted to think of something different. So after our conversation that day, Went, thought about it for, you know, I was still editing some videos, so I had some time to think about it. And then I finally came up with it and I've spent the past six days or so building a plywood bed. So, so much for not doing things. <laughs> the opposite of, of what you were going to do. Went right to plywood. Now, hang on. You said, you said earlier, or I'm yeah. sorry, you said last episode that you already had a whole set of bedroom plywood furniture designed. Did you scrap that and come up with something new? No. Okay. So the bed, I stuck with the original thing, but I think I'm going to abandon a lot of the other pieces that I had already worked on just because I don't want to be all Ooh. like all plywood all the time. The bed made sense mm-hmm. because it's kind of the centerpiece of what all this was. And then I was making the rest of the stuff to sort of match it. So I'm not going right. to do that, but going to go a little bit more eclectic with all the accessory pieces. Yeah, just I, I think it'll just be a better opportunity. You know, if I'm going to make potentially four different pieces or whatever that are going to go in there, it'll be nice to have four very different videos compared to very, very similar videos, especially if I don't want it to drag out over the course of like, you know, a year or whatever, where I'm trying to space out videos that are too similar. So does that mean you're putting a projector in it so that you can have it project onto the ceiling like we were mentioning there will be no projector in it for the video but Ooh. that may happen down the road awesome okay timing wise it doesn't so what line do you up, yeah, perfect so what are you planning on doing how is it different let's hear about it it's basically just like i wanted to make a very functional diy sort of platform bed so something that there's nothing really weird about it. it's just like a very straightforward tons of storage you know scalable to whether you have anything from a twin size to a california king Whatever you got. By the way, are they called? Do, do you guys have California Kings in Oklahoma? We do. Are you guys? You don't call it an Oklahoma King? Oklahoma what if King. Every state. No, we just, do not. <laughs> the other version of the king. They just. I think named an Oklahoma King is just a pile of hay. Well, no, I think an Oklahoma King is just substantially wider instead of substantially <laughs> it just longer. Keeps getting wider. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Ragging that wasn't on, a dig. Ragging on Oklahomans, ragging on old people. Man, Mike, the gloves For- are off this week. 
for real, as a as a native born Oklahoman, you're allowed I to do not condone this. Oh, I'm allowed to. Yeah. Okay, great. There we go. What are you going to say? Something you don't condone, or you don't condone what you've already said? I don't condone what I've said, what you've said, or anything, anything bad about Oklahoma is wrong. Henceforth, I think it's a lovely <laughs> place. I've never been there, but I assume it's. Great. I know I'm going to have to bring you guys out sometime. I know two I think people everybody's from there, and got I a, like them both. I think everyone's got a real strong misconception about you know Oklahoma, Kansas South. You know, everyone mm. just thinks it's cowboys and Indians still. I mean, it is for the most part. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're right, but it's... yeah, there's other things too. But it's funny. Uh, I I actually have a quick story if you don't mind, Chris. I do not me mind. hopping in. Hop on in. So on the way back from Wood Conference, we were flying American Airlines, and there was a lot of weather. Des Moines, Iowa, actually had some tornadoes while we were there, and Dallas, where I was getting my connecting flight, mm-hmm. also was experiencing some thunderstorms and things. And it didn't look like we were actually going to be able to leave Des Moines, my flight at least, but they ended up kind of just going for it and, and we made it fine. There was, there was a little turbulence, but no problem. But whenever we arrived, I noticed that my connecting flight had already been delayed about an hour, which was a little bit of a bummer, but I don't ever get too upset about it because whenever I'm sitting at an airport, I'm usually editing video. So it's not time lost for me. Yeah. And as we were sitting there at the terminal, just waiting around, the the flight just kept getting pushed back. Every 30 minutes, I would get a notification. And then the the attendant that was at the desk eventually ended up making an announcement saying, hey, we're just waiting for another flight attendant. As soon as we get them, we're out of here. And I'm like, okay, good news. Fine. Problem, solution, all thumbs up. After two hours, the flight attendant never showed up. Mm. Apparently, they were also supposed to get on a connecting flight to Dallas-Fort Worth and then be a part of our flight to Oklahoma City, but that flight never made it, and so we were short one crew person, which made them cancel the entire flight. Really? Just be like, I'll be okay with yeah. no Red Bull on this That's flight. That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> Can we just all agree not to have pretzels? Yeah. You know? We'll be good. <laughs> and so, long story short, after getting very frustrated with American Airlines, um, I was kind of stuck with having a two-day stay in Dallas oh, wow. and not being able to get home for another basically day and three quarters, or they could connect me with... Actually, I think that was it now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, my only option was be on standby tomorrow, which would have been Monday, along with a hundred other people that were in our flight. And I'm like, guys, realistically, is there any chance I'm getting How on this? How far of like, a drive no. is that from... Well, you're about okay, to find go, out. Here we go. So I decide, you know, American Airlines is like, they're not getting it done. They're just, they're kind of treading water, just trying to not have people get too mad, you know? And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just call a rental car company. I actually saw a friend of mine that I went to high school with. They were waiting in the same terminal on oh, the wow. same flight. And so me and him are like, you know, just sitting there. We're like, what are we going to do? They're like, I don't, I, I don't know. I was like, I'll just rent a car. And he's, so we decide we're going to split, split a rental car. I call them. And first off, there's an under 25 rental fee, oh, yeah. which is the worst thing ever. Come on, people. <laughs> That's funny. I never thought about that. I'm yeah, a good you're not driver. Old enough to rent a car. Right. Well, apparently I'm old enough to rent a car now, but it's an extra 40 bucks. Uh, or just get that Home Depot truck. Do they check right. for that? <laughs> <laughs> we should have. And so I'm on the phone with a rental car company when another guy walks up he's, and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, talking to a rental car company? Why? He's he like, just hangs the phone well, up I just got you. off. Right. He, he says, well, I just got off the phone with him and it's going to be X amount of dollars, which was considerable. Uh-huh. And I was just like, dang it. And so 
he asked, you want to just split an Uber? Ooh, and my wow. initial reaction was like, not a chance. I don't know how much an Uber is going to cost, but sorry, but Wouldn't no. Wouldn't it be funny if he was an Uber driver and he was just talking you guys into it? Right. And so I still ended up asking him, how much is it going to be? And it was only a f- 225 bucks, I think is what it was. It was a little over 200 bucks, mm-hmm. considering it's a three-hour drive. Oh, that's it? And between the three of us, it only cost us about 75 bucks a piece. So you Ubered? We Ubered from Dallas to Oklahoma City with just like a dude we had never met before and then uh, our Uber driver. So we met a couple new friends. What did the Uber driver say when he found out it was going to be that long? I know. He's like, shit, that's what we were expecting. Because an Uber driver doesn't know where you're going until you get in the car. They do. No, they must. Don't they? No. No, they don't. Oof. It's part of the whole confidentiality thing. You're allowed to refuse though, right? Chris they are, but a lot of Uber because he's, Ubers when we he doesn't in drink and he lives in the suburbs. <laughs> That's true. Right. I don't have a lot of need for it. But in Atlanta, no, I, I so an Uber driver doesn't know where you're going. They do have the option to opt out, but it does kind of hurt their score it dings with, them. with Uber. Yeah, it dings them as being unreliable. And so the guy asks us, he's like, where y'all going? And we're like, Oklahoma City. And he laughs as in just, he totally blows it off. And so then he looks at the app and he goes, oh, oh y'all are seriously going. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And I, and we tell him, if you've got to cancel, we understand. That's that's a lot to ask at one in the morning from a, oh, wow. from a Lyft driver. But he ended up saying yes to it. And so we, we made a long drive. And a, you guys and, make and friends a nice, with him? Yeah, he was... <laughs> Yeah, he was he a is, funny guy. He, he just was pulls a, you on. You pull him on the camera. He was definitely a character. He's staying with me for the next couple <laughs> yeah. weeks. No. No. <laughs> Get in here, Craig. Yeah, he was a real character. He builds he builds stuff out of pallet wood, and so we got we got a chance really? to kind of chit chat a little bit about that, find some common grounds. But yeah, he was telling us about all the good strip clubs and casinos oh, wow. in the area. It's like, in fact, you know, it's one in the morning. We could stop by. Which Texas doesn't even have casinos, and so he was telling us about all the casinos that are on the way from texas to oklahoma city and i'm, and I'm telling all. him i already know they're there <laughs> yeah. but i'm glad you know about I'm still them not going. so yeah so we made it and <laughs> it was it was just it was, it was funny thinking that we ended up having to take an uber all the way from dallas to oklahoma city but we made it but continue chris yeah, I built on your That's project no, the bed yeah, yeah so, sorry i totally cut you off there no worries i'm almost over or i'm almost finished with it i just have the headboard left to build yeah, there's not really much else to say about it. I guess we can, we're already pretty deep in the episode. So why don't we move on to the question that was submitted right after a quick but first, break. Mike, get off of my turf. <laughs> get off my corner, man. Sponsor for this week's episode is Trade Coffee. I drink coffee every single day. I like to have it on hand. There's nothing worse than waking up and opening up that cupboard and you realize you have to go to the store before you even have your morning cup. Well, with Trade, I've eliminated that problem. It's a fantastic supplier of coffee, and it does it through a subscription service. They've partnered with more than 52 of the nation's best roasters, featuring 400 different types of coffees. And what's really important for a lot of people is just price. This is the best deal for coffee this quality anywhere. All you have to do is take their quick personalization quiz, and they'll match coffees that meet your palate. Right now, for a limited time, you can get 50% off plus free shipping when starting your subscription at drinktrade.com using the promo code MODERNMAKER. If you're already drinking coffee every day, you might as well go to the place that has it at the best price and then 
On top of that, you might as well sign up while you can get 50% off. You know you're going to use it. Right. And you get to discover a new coffee. One coffee that I discovered that I absolutely love is the French Roast from Atomic Coffee Roasters. This was actually one of the coffees that I featured in my DIY coffee wood stain video. Not only was it the best looking stain, but it was also the best tasting coffee that I tried. So I've been drinking a lot of that lately. So that's drinktrade.com promo code modern maker for 50% off plus free shipping. Drinktrade.com promo code modern maker. All right. And now we'll go on to a question from one of our Instagram followers. And this is from Alex, aka Designasaw. Kind of oh, yeah. like designer and dinosaur. Yeah, I was going to say, it always reminds me of a dinosaur. Yep. It says, This is a bit of a hypothetical. If you could build your own home with no constraints on building regulations or costs, what is one unique feature you would add to it? I got it. Basketball court where the floor is made of trampolines. Wow, you would have a slam ball court. <laughs> yeah, that was my dream when I was a little kid and finally going to realize it. And a go-kart racing track. <laughs> I was about to say, you guys remember slam ball? That was, that was pretty hype for about two years. Oh, that was, that was well after I had conceived of and then abandoned the dream of a full Oh, you, you thought of slam ball independently? Well, mine was a little bit different, but then kind of slam ball was in the 2000s. Like I was, this was, this was my like, you know, fifth grade kind of dream. This was all 90s. Wow, that's pretty awesome. I'll, well, I'll come up with that. something more realistic. If you guys, what would you guys build into your dream home? Well, a okay, McDonald's. so here's the real okay, question. <laughs> what are building codes holding us back from? I, I guess nothing standing in our way according to this question, right? I don't know. I don't know much about building codes. Ben, well, do you know much about building codes now that yes, you've gone through the process? They're mostly there for life safety and right. egress and also sort of like neighborly type considerations. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think the for me, hypotheticals are less in- interesting when you remove all constraints. Yeah. Just because, I mean, you can just make up Zero stuff. Zero gravity become... room. Right. And also, when it comes to a house... Like the the ultimate luxury, the most luxurious thing I would I mean location is I think the the biggest thing of expense right like you know in a city like living in the right part of Manhattan but having a ton of space that's a hundred million dollar house you know uh, right. so those kind of things are cool but they aren't the things that are super appealing to me the single biggest kind of physical luxury component would be some sort would be like something that's displaced or out of context, but really convenient, like a, Hmm. like a farm in the middle of a city (laughs) (laughs) so that you can have all, so you can have all the conveniences and social life and culture of a dense city, but still be able to walk in your own apple orchard. To me, that's the, the epitome of, of luxury. Now the sort of more realistic version of that would be, you know, a really cool compact garden and a private chef. Uh, when I think of the things that would actually contribute more day-to-day value in terms of health, convenience, and just just making, you know, food better, then, then you yeah. could do that. That, I think, would be the, like the, the sort of types of things I would focus on. Yeah, you know, it's great. So if, like, just getting super realistic and basic, like, I would love to just have an office right now. I don't even really have an office you know, just like a dedicated bedroom that I could use as an office. So that's a very realistic thing. Also, I always think one of the things like with working out, there's such a huge difference between 
having a gym right where you are versus even just having to drive for three or five minutes to get to the gym. Like it just makes such a difference in the amount that you'll realistically probably get it done. So having said that, I would love to have a bidet in my house. <laughs> urinal. <laughs> Ooh, urinal, as they say it y- yeah. over the pond. I think I would like the best of both worlds. I would like a urinal as well as one of those incredibly fancy like Asian toilets that have everything built in. Whereas like you got yeah. a whole touchpad computer built in where it Heat just does seat. the whole thing. Get it pre-warmed seat, for you. Built-in bidet. bidet. You know, well, it's got a snack bar and everything. It's got a calculator. Toilets, that's, that's a pretty broad That's a hole spectrum, in the ground. Right? Because if you go to China, <laughs> that's so different than if you go to Japan. Yeah. Well, that's why I said high-tech. Like yeah. one of those one of those super high-tech crazy, holes you know, in the ground. Yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the American feet. standard. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to have a sauna. For me, Having a sauna would be awesome. That would be really cool. And that's something you can build, I too. I could probably build like a standalone in my backyard. Absolutely. I think for me, it's finding, what do I find myself doing most of the time during the day? Mike. The majority of the time I'm building okay. or I'm editing. So what you were saying, Chris, about the shop is super convenient. Absolutely. I'm on board with that one. As well as having that office space being conducive to filming kind of talking head content where you've got a good backdrop to where if you want to make some kind of like when you do, let's talk about design. Yes. I think it would be cool if you had a space where you could just plop right down. Your camera kind of has an angle that's standard Yeah, and you can just kind of sit down and turn it on. There's not a lot of setup. Yeah. Just click it on and you're rolling. That would be awesome. But for me personally, the things that I do most outside of that is playing, playing basketball. I do Mm -hmm. that once or twice every week with the the homies. So I don't know that I would want a slam ball court, but I would definitely, definitely be on board with a basketball court. Mm. In fact, doing that Craig factory tour, I'm not sure what the facility was prior to them owning it, but it has a full-size basketball court. Ooh, that's it like was where oper- one- operating? Like are their games are happening weekly here? Here's the thing, Uh-oh. and I could not believe it. No. They do not operate it as a basketball court. They won't let anyone play basketball in there because they've got a bunch of, they've got a few different shop setups in there where they have different R&D teams Mm. doing things. So they have a shop that's about the size of a car and a half garage set up with their different tools and things. So that is practical. And then they have sort of what you would consider like a mid-sized shop, a little bit smaller than yours, Chris. Mm -hmm. And then they have one that's super, super compact, all kind of in the space so that the people that are doing the the testing for their products are kind of experience, experiencing them in real world application. Mm. So that's cool. But I don't know that I would sacrifice a basketball court for it. Yeah, you got to get them them jump shots in. I'm looking around because yep. I'm, I'm recording right now from the shop and I'm looking around thinking there could easily be a basketball hoop in here. Oh, absolutely. You definitely should. There wouldn't be, be floor space for it, but still get the hoop no. in there. You can move the saw stop aside. Get it on those wheels, man. Hoop it up. Hoop it up. And then and then for me, the other thing that I do more more regularly is just kind of play instruments and mess around with music since I still have all of that back home at my parents. That's something I've been doing a lot of. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I had the space for it, it would be great to have a little studio set up where similar to what we were talking about with the let's talk about design content where everything's set up ready to go the drums have a space for them to always be set up the guitar amps and pedal boards are always laid out to where it's just plug and play because right now 
it's all in my room to where if I want to play the guitar, I got to kind of pull everything out. The drums are always tucked away. They're never set up. Yeah. And so it would be cool to be able to be able to do that because that's something that since I've taken YouTube on as a career, I get to do a lot less. And so I think it's great because I think one form of creativity always lends itself to something else. Right. So what happens though? I don't, there should be a name for this conundrum or this paradox where it sucks to have to take stuff out and set it up when you just want to get into it and start using it. Mm. And so it sounds like a really nice idea to keep adding more square footage to a compound so everything can be set up individually, right? So in the case of what we do in a workshop, it's nice to have a really big workshop where everything's all spread out so you never have to move one thing to perform a task on a different thing. Yeah. But at what point does that start to diminish because things are so spread out that you don't have the quick density? Everything's like a walk over here or a walk over there. Yeah. That's a really good at, question. Yeah. So they're, Even... they're, I don't know where it is, but at some point you overexpand where you start wanting to contract and compact again a little bit. Yeah. People would ask me from time to time, like, oh, how do you have your shop set up? Or how should I set my shop up? More importantly. And I always would say like, I definitely have a focus on the fact that I'm filming what I'm doing and I would not have my shop set up this way if I were not filming myself in here. Like I very much changed my setup when I started YouTubing, even in my garage and the way that I have things set up in my shop. So what you're talking about, again, like even just, you know, the like from an efficiency standpoint of how you have your shop set up and, and where that kind of tipping point happens I think is even different for what we're doing compared to like, if you were just trying to, you know, build things efficiently. Right. Like even think about it from the standpoint of a workstation or a desk, I'll organize my desk uh, every once in a while, not often enough. And Sunday nights. Yep. I'll put everything in its place. It's all sort of laid out. But then when I work, I keep pulling stuff closer in this kind of semicircle directly around me, coffee cup, uh, different USB type drives to to go between the different devices, external hard drives, camera cards, scissors, pens, sketchbook. It just all starts to accumulate around. It all needs to be within arm's reach. Exactly. Mm. And with a with a workshop, it's a little bit different. That's again, and I've mentioned this idea a few times, why I really like that kind of NASCAR hospital model where everything's stored away and separate, but then they bring out the things for a specific task on a cart. So there's still prep time but it's really specific, easy prep time. I don't know. This is a very stupid thought that I'm having right now. But I was when you were saying that, Ben, I was just imagining like a 360 desk where like, oh, I need to do this now. And you just spin and then you're like in that section of it. And then I was picturing like in space, if you had the same thing, except for now it could be like a full sphere. So you'd be like, oh, I need to do some drafting now. And you just like rotate up 90 degrees and then start working on that. That's a future baby. That's what I need I think, in my house. Super I think practical. the circular desk would get really claustrophobic. I think you want Imagine more of, the an, of a really long desk that you slide along. The assembly line desk. Just around the entire perimeter of your room yes. is a desk. Yeah, like the chair is on some sort of track. <laughs> yeah. So you press a button and you go right. Like you don't have to be on a rolly chair where you're kind of kicking yourself. You just press a button and it Ooh, sends yeah. you that way. Or even well, just it, having like different desk setups that are on a sort of lazy Susan. So it would rotate around and be like, now I can work on this, but you stay put. Well, from a shop perspective, that's what seems so cool about having a separate metalworking, woodworking, and maybe a what I would consider like a clean room. So if you're wanting to do something with epoxy Finish, or other yeah. things that are that need 
a good clean environment to where none of those three spaces need to be huge, but having them separated yeah. might be the value add. Right. But then there's going to be something where you you made something that's wood and metal, but you're like have to grind the pieces down like with yeah. an angle grinder so that the metal fits room. into the wood. You're going to be, do you go back and forth or where do you do it? You just well, set, I oh, I know. Woodwork, you set the whole thing up so like a bird's eye view just looks like a huge Venn diagram. And then those crossover <laughs> points are where those two things can meet. Exactly. The, the center of the Venn diagram. You can do all three the, in like, there. It's the messy zone. That's where the messiest things happen. Yeah. It's funny. So the, the Autodesk build space does that in the, the Boston space. Nice. It's very separate, but very few of the projects people are working on are separate. They're, they're often hybrid that involve 3D printing and metal or wood and metal or, mm-hmm. you know. Well, uh, out of curiosity, what are the common sort of machines and operations that are happening? Because I know they've got a lot of big they have full sort of workshops. automated stuff, but is there a considerable amount of table saw, bandsaw oh, yeah. usage? Just full full oh, table awesome. saw, you know, Festool stuff, uh, Powermatic, all those things, big bandsaws, CNCs. But they cool. were separating all the digital fabrication and they didn't make enough assembly floor space. So ah. people were always taking projects and assembling them next to the tool where they were just cutting, and that was creating mm-hmm. a lot of problems for the other people. It's kind of like, well, it's, it's not like it, but if you design an airport, you have similar challenges where if you designed an airport from the standpoint of people, oh, we this is a waiting room for this flight, and it only needs to hold this many people, then it would be this big. But airports are really long and stretched out because they have to make rooms for the planes to maneuver and access these runways, which then have their own characteristics. And that's why there's so many people movers and just long hallways of nothing in airports. Yeah. True. The Atlanta one especially, man. I don't know. You know, I don't travel as much as you guys, but that Atlanta airport is long. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was well, just it's, it's a lot nicer than the Dallas one because the Dallas one is every terminal is detached from each other oh, for the no. most so you're part. Taking those stupid buses. Yeah. Or well, they've got a good train system, so shout out to shout out to them for that. I but like yeah. if they actually you branded the stupid bus. <laughs> That's the bus you take. From. <laughs> Hop on the stupid bus down to Terminal B. Um, so right. I was thinking when you were talking about having like those separate rooms, if I had a space like that, I was thinking one of the where it would become a really big pain is moving the piece around. Like I already have that as an issue. So I was thinking I should really build like some nice sort of mobile platforms that can store, you know, stuff that I reach for often, but then can also be like a place to park larger pieces while I'm mid project. Like, especially with this bed build that I'm working on, it's essentially two really big pieces and one medium sized piece. And, you know, oftentimes I have to like, flip it over to get to the underside or like, you know, move it on. I've probably lifted each piece like onto the ground and then back up to the desktop three times over the course of this project. Whereas if I just had like four carts like that, that I kind of built, maybe I like carpet the top or something so that, you know, it doesn't. So there may be about four feet by four feet or something like that. I'm thinking smaller, like almost picture it as like saw horses that could. So like maybe it could be carts that are just picture like a cabinet or something like that. But then maybe like you throw a piece of two by four that like clamps both pieces together. So now it forms sort of like a longer uh, like sawhorse, but that has 
utility built under it, just like, you know, some doors or, or drawers or whatever in there, but can lock it together for holding larger pieces instead. I guess you could just put something heavy on it and it would be fine. But, um, I think that's yeah, great. That's, yeah. I think that's something can... I should probably do. Cause I would get some function out of that. I would make projects like this a lot easier. Built them like this like exact same height as the workbenches. So then you could just slide things right off and on. Yeah. And sort of have a few carts with the standard assembly tools. So this is kind of your go-to cart and then you have accessories to it. Yeah. I'm going to look, awesome. I'm going to think about that. That could be a future project that could give me some functionality. I agree. But we've diverted from the original question, which was talking about homes, oh, yeah. not shops. Yeah, we did. Divert. So I think we've all figured out that if you had a, a, a house with no constraints, it would have a big shop in it. Yes. But what else? A water slide? Oh, hell yeah. Fire like like a like a fireman pole going from each story. If you got they a multi-story have that house, at, obviously they have that at the YouTube space in LA. They do. Yeah, they yeah. got a little little uh, fire pole you could slide down. I was surprised. Like, yeah. there's no like waiver to sign or anything. Just go ahead, slide down. Nice, nice. Yeah, I do agree with you though. A sauna would be cool. Like a good gym, a good sauna. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. What I would really love though is just a big open area with just a lot of natural light. Mm, picture that's, picture room. And I think that's why I love A-frame houses so much because you've got your kind of whole living, everything past the kitchen usually doesn't have a loft over it. And so you've got one incredibly high ceilings, but when you have that full face of the cabin where it's all big windows, Mm -hmm. it's just so light open. And then that just leads right out onto a deck where the whole space sort of continues to flow out into nature. Are A-frames pretty much generally like a cabin sort of thing? Or I guess they'd just be somewhere where like views are important. Traditionally, yeah, but it starts to get really goofy when they get big. Right. People build them huge. I think the sweet spot for me that I've seen kind of online, a good kind of two to three bed, two bath is kind of perfect because you've got your main A frame with the living kitchen and a loft upstairs, but then you can have a little annex to the side that's got the kind of master suite. I remember. Or any auxiliary bedrooms. I don't know if I'm imagining this, but I feel like when I was a little kid, so like in the 80s, all IHOPs were A frame buildings. Does that sound familiar, That ben? could be true. And now there's a Wiener Schnitzel that's A-frame, which I'm wondering now, did that used to be an IHOP? Well, the great chain Whataburger is also A-frame centric. Mm, Whataburger. I remember you talking about them before. Yep. All right. Anything else in the house? I'd take a Wiener Schnitzel in my house, actually, now that we mention it. <laughs> I think that Dust would collection. be a terrible idea. <laughs> I'd be eating a lot of chili dogs. Right. I, I would mean, definitely I that need would, that bidet. I think that would take like <laughs> three or four <laughs> oh, years Chris. off your life at least. Oh, easily. Every year but, you would use lose three to four years. Yeah, but are those is is the life taken away right. worth it considering the, the quality of life improvement? That's right. I say if you're not eating chili cheese dogs, are you really living? Are you really living? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. You owe me also, a Coke. I think with all these things too, it becomes a an issue of sort of maintenance. Mm-hmm. Where the responsibility of upkeep yeah, you gotta staff on things, the whole schnitzel and everything. Right. Like there's nothing more lame than going in like a super luxurious over the top house that was all decked out with all the cool amenities that's like fifteen years old. Oh yeah. Right. Right. But when was the time period where people were sort of making what you would quote unquote like the house of the future where there's like laundry chutes yeah, in yeah. each bedroom like that go down to the laundry room? 50s and 60s. Or like a centralized vacuum system where you just kind of sweep it and then there's a little wall port where you can take all the dust. Yeah. yeah. The Like if you've been in like a nice hotel and you go check out the gym and it's it's 
again, really nice hotel, but the all it's like all Nautilus equipment that's like 15 years old and not used that often because it's a, it's a hotel gym. You know, they, mm-hmm. they get used, but it's not like they're they're getting crushed like Equinox or something. Mm-hmm. And Wait, what feels, is Nautilus stuff? It's like those workout machines with cables and weight oh, plates okay. and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just like ellipticals and treadmills. And so it's almost completely useless relative to how people sort of work out. And the people now know that these like kind of single joint exercises are kind of silly in a lot of ways. And the machines take up a ton of space. So you have this big, clunky, expensive gym that's relatively useless. Obsolete. Right. Yeah, because all you really want are just some decent free weights. Right. So yeah. it, it, it's funny with the... That, and that's why my my I wouldn't be thinking about just what I want to add. I, w- I think the ultimate luxury is also what you can omit uh, because of how you're programming the rest of your life. Right. So with that in mind, though, I think that's where I think just having good versions of the things you use all the time or maybe extra extra large items of the things you use all the time is maybe the biggest value add. So having a really nice, really large fridge or having... Uh, one of the one of my favorite things that I see in houses are when you have a kitchen and you've got your standard sink against the wall, but it's got a kitchen island with a second sink mm. in it. Double so when up. you're prepping and when you're washing vegetables or everything before you chop it up, you you've got a space that's separate from your dirty dishes, or both of you could be doing you know something that needs a sink at the same time. Man, to have two sinks, that's when that you know you've luxury. made it. Shop that sink. is real luxury. That's right. <laughs> yeah shop bathroom so yeah nice. awesome right. well if you the listener has any ideas for what you would do if you had an insane house let us know hit us up on instagram at modern maker podcast and maybe we'll shout it out next week slam ball or if you have a your own question that you would like the three of us to address uh hit us up on instagram slide into our dms and ask your questions yeah feel free Absolutely. to that's... ask us individually that's a, a good point because we're probably more we monitor those pretty often yeah Exactly. Yeah. Everyone's looking at their own DMs really often. Uh, I usually dip into the Modern Maker podcast DMs about once a week. Yeah. Just say good question for the podcast and then proceed. Totally. Awesome. Well, what are you guys obsessed with this week? Mm, I got a couple music Like Ben, you've been traveling. Oh, Chris. Okay. Let's hear that. I love a good outside of woodworking obsession. These are two bands that I've followed for a long time. The Get Up Kids, who I've followed for a really long time. Are you Mm. familiar with them, Mike? I'm not. Give me a give me a little info. Okay, on so they would have been from like the mid to late '90s. We're kind of like emo pop punk sort of style. They quit being a band probably I don't know ten years ago, and then they got back together. And it's not a great album, but it's it's pretty good. Like for what you'd expect, you know, a band that that your favorite album from them came out like 20 years ago. You're probably not going to expect a whole lot from this album. So I think I went in hesitant that it would be good and then i was pleasantly surprised that it was pretty good so if you're not already into them i probably wouldn't sell you too hard on them but if you are into them it's it's worth listening to it's a good it's a it's a decent certain amount of nostalgia too yeah then awesome one of the bands that i think has a terrible name and i feel like they were a band that i didn't want to like when they first came out maybe because of their name but then like as soon as i listened to them i'm like oh these guys are pretty good vampire weekend so this is i think their fourth Mm. album I would say wow. it's maybe their worst album to date, but still very good. <laughs> they're they're good, man. Like they are a band that like you, you know if you would have just told it, Chris. me, all right, I'll just leave it at that. Worst yeah. album, all you gotta still do is very say, good. I like it. A minus. No one's judging. Right. What you. about you, Ben? <laughs> oh, I can uh, name some stuff that I'd get judged for. We all can. 
Uh, mine is going to be some some architecture picks. So I was doing some research. I'm working on the next house that I want to build and also on a workshop. I'm kind of working on these two projects concurrently. And I'm not sure which one I'm going to do first. But as I said before, I ordered a bunch of polycarbonate because it's a material I'm interested in and something I'm going to be incorporating into the next building build. Oh, yeah. And what is so polycarbonate? All right, so you don't have to not like technically, but just well, like, let me tell you, you how it, it's where it's have cle- I seen it? It's a clear plastic, okay, and how it's different than acrylic. It often looks like acrylic or gets mistaken as macry- as acrylic. I believe it's harder or is usually harder, and mm-hmm. it's more it tends to be more UV resistant, so it's used okay. more in exterior building applications, greenhouses, things like that. Okay. I hear it's also pretty impact resistant too. Right. I think for a lot of the cool. bulletproof glass is actually polycarbonate. Oh, so it's like and what they're standing behind on Mythbusters when they were blowing stuff up. Exactly. And I think the lenses of your glasses are, there's a good chance Ooh. that they're polycarbonate. So it's probably harder than acrylic. But gotcha. the polycarbonate I'm talking about isn't solid. It's these kind of double or triple wall sheets, almost like that signboard packaging that's sort of like corrugated cardboard, but plastic. And it's not. Mm-hmm a ripply sine wave corrugation. It's more like linear cells. Okay. So it's a transparent or translucent material. You can get it in four foot by eight foot sheets. It's lightweight. It's really strong. It's UV resistant and it lets in light. Is it expensive? So people, it's about, the stuff I ordered is about 140 to $180 a sheet, depending on how thick it is, which is how many sort of walls. Like it could be twin wall or triple wall. And the more sort of walls and air pockets, the better insulator it has. And then what what can you cut it with? Just like a high a high tooth count saw or something? Yes. Or uh, yeah. in some cases, even a hot knife. Oh. Ooh. Because the walls are relatively thin. You'd have to cut both walls at the, at, you know, if it's the, the, the double wall. But anyways. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So I'll, I'll bring some down the next time I'm heading into LA because I'm building. It, it, it's This is sort of how I'm trying to work now. And it's just a little bit more formalized than what I've done in the past. So I want to build a building where polycarbonate is one of the big components of the building. Mm-hmm. And But I'm like, let me get for more familiar with it first. So then I started thinking, what would be the kind of furniture or home applications, the kind of DIY applications with it? So I ordered... Something with a cool silhouette, right? Because if you're going to let that light transfer mm-hmm. happen, you got to have something interesting behind it. The other thing I was thinking is, well, the... It's very lightweight and strong. Mm. So yeah. I was thinking for a wardrobe and doing the doors out of it because then it would be less weight on the hinges and I could yeah. actually build my own or 3D print my own hinges for it because it's not as much weight on the door. So if That's really great. That's, yeah. uh, that's always the first place that my head goes with any of that stuff is even just like a framed panel of it. If you just have right. like a thin sheet of it because it, yeah, it would reduce the weight so much and it's like you can get colors in things like acrylic and stuff that without a really serious paint setup, you can't really achieve painting wood. Right. So I ordered a bunch to do some furniture and DIY applications with to get familiar, learn about cutting it, fastening it. And just also to kind of, once you have something that you sort of worked with, I feel like more ideas come out of that kind of just playing around with it and having it around the shop. So, yeah. uh, but anyways, the, the, the funny thing that sort of happened was, I was looking at polycarbonate stuff on Pinterest, as as I do, and I saw the name of the architecture firm, and I was like, "Oh, that's my college roommate that designed oh, wow. <laughs> uh, this building." So, was it the sh- sink pasta guy or what? 
No. <laughs> I just remember you talking about that person. It is, but we all, lived, we all live together. It's in the same circle of friends. So the firm is called Who the Souza. It's H-O-U underscore D-E underscore Souza. S-O-U-S-A. Check them out. So it's actually two of the kids that I went to design school with at Cornell. They ended up getting married. They were college sweethearts. And they started a really awesome architecture firm doing incredible work. So if you look at Who De Souza on Instagram, their work is phenomenal. And they are my shout out because uh, they're social. I mean, they're getting tons of like, you know, major design press, but mm-hmm. their social media is not commensurate with how cool the work they're doing is. Who De Souza? And that's cool. I'm looking at their website now and uh, I'm looking at some of the polycarbonate structures that they've done. They are really, really cool. Um, so definitely check that out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, those are my my uh, my college buddies. Now, I don't think this is something that we should chat about in this episode at all, but I want to say it so that we remember, or at least the audience might hold us accountable about talking about this going forward. Remind us but early I would love in the to morning hear... next Monday. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So... You just mentioned you went to school with these people, but they're also like you were roommates with them, which is amazing. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I mentioned at the airport, I caught up with a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in about two years. The last time I saw him was at a wedding and he's gone through college. He's graduating this year to be a history teacher. So that's not exactly the same thing. But it's interesting when you have people that you're spending every day with, whether that's people you're going to school with or just, you know, friends at work, all this sort of thing. When you have similar interests or different interests, when you have that time to go away and then you get to come back and talk about what you've been up to and sort of those common through lines that people that are similar or interested in the same thing have. And then also how people tend to diverge and kind of what you're talking about, Ben, like to them, you've completely taken a left turn, gotten away from traditional, like working at an architecture firm and doing the nine to five, you've completely kind of flipped that. So it would be cool to hear about how that's gone along in your guys' life since you guys have a little bit more life experience than I do mm-hmm. and maybe relate that to the people that listen because I know I have people that reach out to me all the time in the DMs, whether they're in high school or they're looking to maybe pick up a trade skill and they ask you know, how I like what I'm doing or maybe some possible options right. uh, if they're interested in building things and being creative. So I think that would be really, it would be valuable to me. I would love to hear about it, but I think our audience might be interested too. Cool. But what's your obsession? My obsession this week. Wow. That is a good question. You don't got And one. I am going <laughs> to, you know, that monologue made me yeah. totally forget it. Forgot what uh, this week. Catching up with old friends. There you go. All right. See you next week, everybody. All right. Bye. No, <laughs> no I would say my obsession this week is dovetails. Ooh. I got the opportunity to set in in a dovetails class at Wood Weekend in Wood. And the instructor did, a, instructor did an amazing job of breaking down the anatomy of a dovetail joint, which was what I was so confused about. What are pins? What are tails? What angle do I need to be cutting these at? Because dovetails have all these different ratios. You can have a one to four dovetail. You can have a one to eight dovetail. And prior to this, I had no reason why you would use one over another. So I didn't really get any hands-on experience. I'm not any closer to actually having the physical skills to do it, but being able to to picture the joint in my head, understand the terminology and know the steps Mm -hmm. is making it so much more approachable. And it's got me excited to try them, not on a small scale, like on some drawers or some cabinets, 
but on a larger scale, yeah. like a two by six dining table, maybe an outdoor dining table Only or something bench. like that. Only Mike goes and visits a Craig jig factory and then becomes obsessed with dovetails. <laughs> with the opposite. You think he's going to zig? Like, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say ducktails at first, which was my obsession for yeah, that'd be more two weeks ago. And I was going to say, quit. I was going to tell you, get off my block again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're very influential, Chris, yeah. if you didn't know. That theme song, baby. That's right. Well, uh, thank you everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, Hit us up with a review on the podcast app. It just lets the iTunes app know that we're a good show yeah. and that it should suggest us to people outside of visual arts. I was going to say, we want to put some distance between us and the rest of those visual arts podcasts. That's right. We're, we're, already, we're already industry leaders in the visual arts category, but who knows? The games and hobbies category, which is where we probably should be, we don't even know if they know about us yet. You know, so I we're don't... trying to get on... Uh... I, I, I think we're in the right category. You think visual so? Visual arts? It's... Cro- definitely some crossover in the Venn diagram. Well, here's they, my thought they on need it. Now to that make you more say categories. that, Ben, they're very. I was gonna say they're very broad. Any category that we're leading, we're in the right place, right? Exactly. Yeah. If you're right. not there first, you're last. <laughs> <laughs> and other things. That's right. So thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. We are at Modern Builds, at Four Eyes Furniture, and at Benjamin Ueda on Instagram. And until next time, this has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. See ya.